0: Uh, yes, today we are going to talk about Jesus. We've been singing about Jesus. We've been praying. Uh, we've been taking communion, thinking about Jesus's sacrifice. And I'm going to continue that this morning. And we're going to talk specifically about Jesus is the light. And I'm going to read to you from John chapter 9 in just a, a moment or so. Uh, but we are going to talk about Jesus um, and, and, and connecting with Jesus, understanding Jesus, uh, drawing near to Jesus, worshiping Jesus, and uh, specifically talking about Jesus is the light. Light is good, is it not? Don't we, we you know, we, we like light. Uh, light brings warmth. Light can bring clarity to our lives. Life brings safety to our lives. It can also provide direction. And light can even bring hope into our lives. And the Bible does talk a lot about light versus darkness. There's a, a contrast that is talked about in the scriptures. Let me read you... Um, 1 Peter 2, verses 9 and 10, it says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So here is a great verse that demonstrates this concept. You see throughout the Bible, this idea of light versus darkness. We have been called out of darkness into God's wonderful light. I'm going to remove this microphone. It feels like in the way. Uh, And and, and the thing about light and darkness is there really is no middle ground. You know, the, the Bible never teaches that there's a dimness. It's not really an available category for us spiritually. I mean, certainly a person can be in darkness and wanting to go into the light, or on the way into the light. And a person can be in the light, deciding that they no longer want to be, and, and they want to go back to darkness. So those are options, but at any given time, a person is either in the light or in the darkness. Uh, 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 7, teaches us that this is the message we have heard from him, and we declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him yet walk in darkness, we lie and we do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sins. Again, this idea that God is light, there's no darkness in God at all. And in, in, in this light, Jesus being the light, this light brings us not only forgiveness for our sins, the Bible teaches, but also brings us into relationships with each other, allows us to be able to connect with each other because we've had our sins wiped away. And so the Bible says a lot about light, but I want to talk specifically a little bit today and really kind of get your minds thinking and 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 maybe even encourage you to do some deeper study on Jesus being the light. How exactly does that work? What exactly does that mean? I mean, does Jesus glow in the dark? Is that what he's talking about? No, that's not what he's you know. Spoiler alert: that's not what he means. But Jesus, what is it that he's actually offering to us when he talks about being the light? What is it he's trying to teach us? And so we're going to read John chapter nine together. Uh, and and a particular incident with Jesus and some people and learn a little bit about what it means that Jesus is the light. Okay, John chapter 9, beginning in verse 1. You can read along with me. It says, As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? neither this man nor his parents sinned said jesus but this happened so that the works of god might be displayed in him as long as it is day we must do the works of of him who sent me night is coming when no one can work while i am in the world jesus said i am the light of the world after saying this he spit on the ground he made some mud with his saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seen. This is a very interesting story about Jesus. And in this story, Jesus declares that he is the light of the world. But how exactly? How is Jesus the light? Well, first of all, Jesus is the light because Jesus offers us a new way to see. A new way to see. Now, obviously, this is a story about seeing, right? A man is physically healed from being blind. I was talking to Bob earlier, and Bob was telling me that he went to the eye doctor this week, I guess, right, and got new glasses, And and certainly uh, times have changed. Uh, Nobody spit in mud and rubbed it on his face. I don't think, right? That wasn't part of the exam. I wouldn't let her. Okay, (laughs) she offered, but uh, the doctor offered, but uh... and so certainly this, at its very surface, is a story about someone being healed and brought from a, a state of blindness, physically being able to see. But there is a deeper lesson for us today, something more for us to learn from this, and that is Jesus is the light because he offers us a new way to see. Now, when you look at this little interaction, there's, there's sort of an odd question that is posed to Jesus. They see this blind man, and they say to Jesus, hey, Jesus, who, who sinned? You know, who, who's at fault? who sinned? Was it this man or his parents that he was born blind? Now, that's a really interesting question, I think, because I could understand how maybe parents could sin, and because of consequences of choices, that a child could be born with some sort of uh, problem physical. I could see how that would, could, could play out. I don't understand how a person could sin before they exist Right? And then people, I, so I don't understand. And I'm sure that there may be those among us or someone who, there's probably some deeper theological answer to this. But that's not really the point either. Anyway, the point is this the disciples saw a circumstance, they saw a situation, and they looked at Jesus and they said, Jesus, is the reason for this A or B? And Jesus said, neither. See, yeah, there's a whole nother option there. You know, there was one problem present, and there were two explanations. The disciples' explanation, which they saw and thought, oh, I see a problem. It must be related to sin. And Jesus saw the exact same problem and said, no, it's related to God. A new way to see. A new way for us to look at the problems and difficulties in our life. The point is this. Jesus is the light because he reminds us there's a new way to see things. Now, I'm not suggesting or not teaching here that uh, we should dismiss our responsibility for the sins that we commit in our lives. Uh, the, the, Jesus is not teaching that it's okay to sin. Of course, Galatians chapter 6 teaches us that we reap what we sow in our lives. You know, using agricultural terms, what seeds you put in the ground, that's what grows up. And the Bible says that if you plant seeds towards the sinful nature, you will reap seed, you will reap destruction. But if you plant seeds to the spirit, the Bible says, you will reap eternal life. And so we're not trying to say that there's not a responsibility when we make errors in our life. That's not the point. What we are trying to say and what Jesus is teaching is that life doesn't center around you. Life doesn't center around your sin or your pain or your weakness. It centers around God. This is a new way for us to see. This is a call to us to lift our attention from ourselves and turn our attention to God. When life is difficult, when we have challenges, we look to God for our answers. What is it, then, that shapes your perspective in life? What is it that you allow to influence you? What is it that sculpts your outlook in life? What is it that guides your daily decisions? You know, what, it, what, what forms the ideas that kind of rattle around in your head? What is it that you allow to influence you? Is it the news that you watch on television? Is it the latest national crisis? And there's plenty national crises out there. Is it maybe a heated online discussion that somebody's having on social media? Or, or is what sculpts you the often unnatural and counterintuitive concepts presented by God? Is that what sculpts you? Is that what guides you? Is that your light? Jesus invites us to a new way to see. This is why Jesus is the light. It is easy for us to live in our human default mode. Is it not? At least for me. Maybe, maybe you can relate. I was at a store recently at the mall And my wife had asked me to stop in and pick something up. And I went into the store and I couldn't find it. So I asked the sales lady that was kind of floating around. I I said, hey, can you help me find this? She said, yeah, no problem. She took me right to it. She pulled it up, said this would you? I said, yes, that's it. Perfect. And, And she said, well, you can go in the back and that's where the cashier is and pay for it. And when you pay for it, mention Erica helped you. And I said, oh, okay, cool, no problem. I I understood if you've ever worked in retail or had a job like that, she, she probably worked on commission. And so, you know, she wanted to get credit for helping me, which I was glad to give credit and hope she got the commission. And so I went and got in line, but somewhere in the midst of waiting in line and eventually, you know, getting to an open cashier and then, you know, you know, them wanting my information, my phone number, you know, me paying for it, pulling out my, all all of that, as soon as the transaction was over and the next person came up and I stepped away, I realized I forgot to mention Erica. So I did what I felt was, you know, the most normal thing to do. I quickly ran out of the store before I ran into Erica again, because I didn't want to tell her. I'm sorry, I forgot. I mean, I would have gone back, and I, firmly, I thought I should go back, but then it was a long line, and I didn't want to be like, that guy is like, oh, I'm sorry, can I cut? Wait, I need to cut. Oh, yeah, you know, you know, all this is playing. So I just like, get out, just get out. I was like, let's go. And unfortunately, the cashier was in the back of the store, so I had to walk through the store like, oh, there she is. Oop, ew, all right, and I was gone. I'm just saying that it's easy, it's so easy to just go into our human default mode, but Jesus Calls us out of that. He calls us out of our human default mode into a new way to see things. You know, think about this practically. When it comes to your anger, for example, do you actually know what the Bible says to do with it? When you're feeling angry, do you know what the Bible says and how to handle it? Can you, do you know what the scriptures actually teach about that? Or maybe when you're feeling discouraged. Do you know what the Bible actually teaches on how to handle discouragement? Or maybe when you've been wronged, when somebody has done something to you and hurt you, do you know what the Bible actually teaches? When, you, when, you're, when you're thinking about quitting, when you've sinned, when you've had conflict with somebody, when you're worried, or maybe the opposite, when you're happy, do you know what the Bible teaches and says about what to do when you're happy? What about when you're feeling strong? Do you know what the Bible actually says? Do you know scriptures? When you're in trouble, when you're sick, do you know what God actually teaches from the Bible to do with these things? Listen, my point in asking these rhetorical questions is not to make you feel bad, all right? I'm not trying to make you feel guilty or bad. I'm just saying we probably have some research to do, don't we? We probably have some research to do. Jesus is the light because he teaches us a new way to see. Let's embrace that. But let's continue on with this story. John chapter 9, beginning in verse 8. The story continues. It says, His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, "'Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg?' Some claimed that he was. Others said, "'No, he only looks like him.' But he himself insisted, "'I am the man.' "'How then were your eyes open?' they asked. He replied, "'The man they called Jesus made some mud, "'put it on my eyes. "'He told me to go to Siloam and wash, "'so I went and washed, and then I could see.' "'Where is this man?' they asked him. "'I don't know,' he said." They brought him to the Pharisees, the man who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore, the, the Pharisees also asked him how, had, how he had received sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, how can a sinner perform such signs. So they were divided. Then they turned again to the blind man and said, what have you to say about him? It is your eyes that he opened. The man replied, he's a prophet. They still did not believe that he had been blind and received sight until they sent for the man's parents. They bring mom and dad in. Is this your son, they asked. Is is this the one you say was born blind, how is it now that he can see? We know he is our son, the parents answered, and we know that he was born blind. But how he can see now, or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. And his parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who had already decided that anyone acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. That is why his parents said, he is of age, ask him. So a second time, they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I have told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? All right, line crossed right there. Verse 28 says, then they hurled insults at him and said, you are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, Now that's remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening his eyes, opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this they replied, you are steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Wow. What an exchange between this man and all the people around him. Quite an interaction there. Well, what do we see? Jesus is the light because he gives us a new way to see, but we also learn that Jesus is the light because he gives us a new way to think. A new way to think. Listen, we live in an age of information, don't we? I mean, the internet gives us absolutely everything we could possibly want to know and more. And so we get very comfortable in our lives expecting to know all the details. It's just what we expect now. In fact, in fact, if we're ever in a situation, I don't know about you, but I could be this way. If I don't know all the details, I don't get all the information, I get irritable. And sometimes I can even assume the worst. I can be like, oh, I don't know, uh, so they must be up to no good. Right? I mean, that's how, that's how comfortable we are, how much we expect to know everything. There was a time, not long ago, in the 1900s, when you couldn't know everything you couldn't google everything it wasn't that just i'm just curious raise your hand if you remember a life without google at some point okay all right good all right so that's most of us you know what i'm talking about right you know there's a time when you're watching the movie and someone goes you know what what other movies has that actor been in and you know there was a time when you couldn't pause the movie well first of all you couldn't pause the movie that didn't really happen i mean you could pause the tv show And like, oh yeah, that person has been in this movie, this movie, you know, oh, how much do they make? How much are they worth? They're worth this. You know, there (laughs) there was a time when that just, someone would say, hey, what other movies has that guy been in? And the other guy would say, I don't know. And then we just keep watching. (laughs) That was it. There was a time, right? But now we've become so comfortable knowing everything. But here's a guy who had no info. None. Zero information. And they keep questioning him. Same questions over and over. He's like, I don't know. I don't know. The only answer he had was, the guy told me to do it, and I did it. And I can see that's it. Here's the point. Here's the way to think. It is, oh, it is possible that when God speaks, we can just do it. That's it. We don't always have to totally understand. This is the point. When God speaks, it's okay to just obey. It's okay. Obeying isn't a bad word. Obeying isn't a word just for children. Obeying is actually a word for anyone who follows God. It may not make sense, granted, and it may not even feel good. And we may not even see the grander plan that God is doing. But it is okay to not have information and still do what God says. It's okay. Just like this guy. He didn't know. He didn't know all the details. I mean, he had some guesses, but he didn't know the details. All he knew is God, Jesus told him to do it. He did it. And God took care of the rest. You know, um, when God speaks, it's okay that we obey. a great A great uh, e- example of this is uh, is a guy named Naaman, Second Kings chapter five. You can read about Naaman. Just a real clear cut example of a guy who was given, who, who had, was a, a valiant man, great warrior, but had had uh, skin disease, and was given some direct commands. Some here's what God wants you to do, and he just didn't like it. He's like, I'm not doing that. That's lame, and so instead of just doing it he became angry and he he's kind of stormed off and just didn't and and it took somebody finally just saying hey if he had told you to do some great big thing uh you would have done it he just told you to do this little thing why don't you do it and he goes oh okay and he goes and does it and he's completely healed i just gave away the whole story but you can read it <laughs> on your own it's just a great example of we don't always have to understand everything Jesus is the light because he reminds us there's a new way to think. Now, I am in no way suggesting that we don't need to grow. And I am in no way suggesting that we don't need to deepen our our hearts and our understanding or that we don't need to seek understanding or knowledge. Of course we do. That is also something that we're called to do as followers. In fact, it is a lifelong quest to seek and understand God. That's why we gather weekly. That's one of the multiple reasons we gather like this, is to understand God and to to try to grow in our knowledge. But what I am saying is there are often going to be times when you just got to trust and obey God. And it's okay, even if you don't get it, even if you don't know all the details or how it works, it's okay. And let me just give you a little heads up. Like this man, it may baffle people. If you decide to be a person that says, I don't get all the details, but God says it. I'm going to follow it. I'm going to obey God. It will, it will baffle people around you. They won't be happy with it. You know, I remember once when I was young in my faith as a Christian, I was working at an ad agency in Manhattan, and um, I actually did the right thing. It was This is not Erica Gate. Uh, but this was um, this was a different situation where where I made an error, but I decided you know I did I, I did what I felt was the right thing. I um, I was working for an ad agency, and at the time I was part of our, our Westchester ministry in uh, Westchester, New York, and um, and I I was in charge of our weekly bulletin. And this again, this is pre the days when people emailed stuff out. And I love bulletins; I think they're good and helpful. And anyway, so every week I would type it up on my computer and I'd print it out at work. And then I'd go into the copy room and I'd make like 100, 150 copies and then take it to church that night and hand it out to everybody. I thought, this is great. But then it dawned on me after doing this a while that that's wrong. You know, I mean, it's stealing. I'm I'm making copies, not work-related copies, at my job. And um, so I was really convicted about it. I was like, oh man, this is not right. So I immediately stopped instead of... Uh, print copying them at, at work, I'd go to the copy place down the street and pay, like, you know, the righteous thing to do. But I also felt like, even though I stopped doing it, I thought, I need to, I need to tell my boss. Yeah, I need to tell my boss. And I thought, okay, I need to be ready because I don't know. I mean, it's, I mean, maybe I get in trouble. Maybe I get fired. I don't know. So I went into my boss's office. I said, hey, can I talk to you about something? I sat down with her. and And she was a, she was a She was a pretty strong person, you know, very, you know, lots of, lots of opinions about things and didn't hesitate to say what she thought. And I sat down with her and I said, I have to tell you something that, uh, that I did that was wrong. And she's like, okay, uh, why don't you close the door? I was like, okay. She said, "Um, I said, I made, I've been making copies for my church, uh, like 100, 150 copies, whatever it was. And, uh, and I've been doing it for a while and I realized that was wrong. And she looked at me with like this really like as if I had like three heads. And she's like, like totally baffled, like, what is wrong with you? And she, she was angry, not because I did it, but because I took any of her time telling her about something she felt was so trivial. And she's like, get out of my office. What are you, why are you even talking to me about this? Right. And, and I, even though she was mad because I I was glad that that was why she was mad and not like, get out of my office and take your stuff and go home. It wasn't, it was just like, do not bother me with what these trivial things. And that's fine. That was her, but it wasn't about her response. It was about me deciding to do what I thought was the righteous and holy thing to do. I'm just saying, when you decide to think differently, people are going to think you're weird. They are. They're going to think, what's, what's wrong? No, nah, that's what they thought of this guy as he was trying to explain and he didn't have all the answers and he just did what, what Jesus told him to do. That's what my boss thought of me and that's what people will think of you when you try to live in a different way, to think differently. Isaiah 55, verses eight and nine. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. I love that verse. I read that verse a lot. If you want a visual aid of how differently God thinks than we think, just look at the ground and look at the sky, and that's the difference. <laughs> you and I think I like the ground, and God thinks like the sky. That's what that verse just said, Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 is that God thinks differently. He, and Jesus called us to, to, to a new way to think. Finally, last point from our passage here, a new way to live. Jesus is the light because of a new way to see. Jesus is the light because he offers us a new way to think. And Jesus is the light because he offers us a new way to live. Let's close out our story here. Back in John 9, verse 35, it says, Then Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. And Jesus said, You have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Jesus said, for judgment I have come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, what are we blind too? And Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. So Jesus goes and has a follow-up conversation with this man. And this man is doesn't know who Jesus is and who's the Messiah. He says, "I'm I'm the guy." And Jesus has a conversation trying to help him understand, not physical blindness, but spiritual blindness. That's what this conversation is about. And he says, "Blind ones, the blind ones spiritually are the ones who walk around saying that they can see. Those are the ones who are really blind. Why? Because they uh, and then the ones who the ones who are are saying that they can't see are the ones who can really see. Why? Because they're blind and they know they're blind. In other words, this is an incredible message about humility. I'm not sure if you get all the metaphors in there, and I I probably just slaughtered them a little bit as I tried to repeat them. But the point of all the metaphors of blindness is this. There's a saving power in humility. That's the point. That's the point Jesus is making. There's a saving power in humility and for us to be humble before God. Jesus is teaching us a new way to live and that's in humility, being people of humility. Listen to some of these scriptures that just elaborate on the power of humility. James 4, verse 6. God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. 1 Peter 5, 6. It says, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. James 1, 21 says, therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Ephesians 4, verse 2, it says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Micah six verse eight, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Jesus is ultimately calling us to a new way to see, a new way to think, and a new way to live—a life that is that is uh, is is characterized with humility, humility towards God, and humility towards each other if we are to be people of the light if we are to walk in the light that jesus provides it means that we are people of humility this is what this light offers to us you know for those of us who seek god and for anyone who seeks god uh, the light is attractive um Uh, We were, James and I were having lunch the other day and uh, sitting at Panera and uh, we were just talking about life, getting to know each other, sharing about God and faith and ministry and all these different things. And while we were talking, a guy got up from across the restaurant and started walking to our table. And I saw him coming. I thought, is he coming to us? Is he coming? Yep, he's coming to us. And he came right over and he said, I'm sorry. It was an older gentleman. He says, I don't mean to interrupt. I've, I've been listening to your conversation. And I thought, my first thought was, oh, no, what did I say? What did I <laughs> What did I say? He goes, I've been listening to you talk. And he started repeating back some of the things we were talking. He said, I just couldn't help but to come over and talk to you. And I said, I'm so sorry. I'm so loud sometimes. I know I'm loud. And uh, and James is obviously very loud. And so, uh, no, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. But um, I, he goes, no, 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 it wasn't that. He goes, I was listening. And I heard you talking about ministry and talking about faith. And then he offered us a book. He offered He said, you really should read this book. And then you should also read Psalm chapter 90. But we ended up having an incredibly pleasant conversation with this man. Then his wife came over eventually and she joined us and said, well, James got the man's phone number and said, hey, you know, where can I follow up with you? And it was just amazing to me to be reminded of how attractive the light is. Not that I'm light, and not that that James is, but that we are talking about the light. We are living in the light. We're sharing the light together. And all of a sudden, this man walks up. And because he was drawn by the light. For those who seek God, this light, it's attractive. There's something about it. It may be difficult. It may be challenging. But it is something Desirable for people who seek the light. Jesus is the light. This light offers us a new way to see, a new way to think, and a new way to live. Close out with this verse, John 3, verse 19. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world. But people love darkness instead of the light because their deeds are evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But Whoever lives by the truth comes into the light, so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Let's live in the light. Amen. Thanks, guys.